Book Two, Chapter Thirteen and Fourteen of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Thirteen. Two Ways of Looking at the Same Thing. When the party arrived at Cleves, Camilla, who had observed that Edgar seemed much disappointed by the breaking up of the cottage expedition, proposed that it should take place in the evening. And her uncle, though too much fatigued to venture out again himself, consented, or rather insisted, that the excursion should be made without him. Before they set out, Edgar desired to speak with Sir Hugh in private. Sir Hugh concluded it was to make his proposals of marriage for Indiana, and had no patience to step into his own apartment, but told them all to retire with a nod at Indiana, which prepared not only herself, but Miss Margland, Camilla, and Eugenia to join in its expectation. Indiana, though a good deal fluttered, flew to a window to see if the new chariot was in sight, and then, turning to Miss Margland, asked, pray should i refuse him at first miss margland spared not for proper instructions and immediately began a negotiation with the fair questioner for continuing to live with her eugenia was occupied in reflecting with pity upon the idleness of indiana which so ill had fitted her for becoming the companion of mandelbert camilla unusually thoughtful walked alone into the garden and sought a path least in sight. Sir Hugh, meanwhile, was most unpleasantly undeceived. Edgar, without naming Indiana, informed him of the situation in which he had surprised Bellamy, and of his suspicions with regard to the destination of the chaise, but for his own timely arrival at the farmhouse, adding that his gratitude to Mr. Tyrold, his respect for himself, and his affection for all the family, made him think it his duty to reveal these circumstances without delay. The baronet shuddered with horror, and declared he would instantly send an express to bring Clermont home, that Eugenia might be married out of hand, and, in the meantime, that he would have every window in the house barred, and keep her locked up in her room. Edgar dissuaded him from so violent a measure, but advised him to speak with his niece upon the danger she had probably escaped and of which she seemed wholly unconscious to prevail with her not to go out again this evening and to send for mr tyrold and acquaint him with the affair sir hugh thanked him for his counsel and implicitly acted by his opinion he then ordered the coach for miss margland indiana and camilla dr orkborne finding neither sir hugh nor eugenia of the party declined joining it Lionel was returned to Etherington, and Edgar rode on before, to invite Dr. Marchmont, with the consent of the baronet, to take the fourth place in the carriage. Arrived at the rectory, he went straight, by prescriptive privilege, into the study of Dr. Marchmont, whom he found immersed in books and papers, which immediately, at the request of Edgar, he put aside, not without regret to quit them, though wholly without reluctance to oblige. Edgar had ridden so hard that they had some time to wait for the coach, 
but he did not appear anxious for its arrival though he wore a look that was far from implying him to be free from anxiety he was silent he hemmed he was silent again and again he hemmed and then gently laying his hand upon the shoulder of the doctor while his eyes full of meaning were fixed upon his face doctor he cried you would hardly have known these young ladies they are all grown from children into women since you saw them last yes answered the doctor and very charming women indiana has a beauty so exquisite it is scarce possible to look away from it a moment eugenia joins so much innocence with information that the mind must itself be deformed that could dwell upon her personal defects after conversing with her camilla he paused and edgar hastily turned another way not to look at him nor be looked at while he proceeded camilla he presently continued seems the most inartificially sweet the most unobtrusively gay and the most attractively lovely of almost any young creature i ever beheld with a heart all expanded and a face full of sensibility edgar now turned to him and seizing involuntarily his hand which he eagerly shook you think her then he cried but suddenly stopped dropped his hand coughed two or three times and taking out his pocket-handkerchief seemed tormented with a violent cold dr marchmont affectionately embraced him my dear young friend he cried i see the situation of your mind and think every possible happiness promises to be yours yet if you have taken no positive step suffer me to speak with you before you proceed far from having taken any positive step i have not yet even formed any resolution here the carriage stopped for the doctor who repeated yes i think every possible happiness promises to be yours before he went on to the ladies edgar in a trepidation too great to be seen by them kept behind till they drove off though he then galloped so fast that he arrived at the cottage before them the words i think every possible happiness promises to be yours vibrating the whole time in his ears when the coach arrived edgar handed out miss margland and indiana leaving camilla to the doctor willing to let him see more of her and by no means displeased to avoid his eyes at that moment himself indiana was in the most sprightly spirit she had ever experienced she concluded herself on the verge of becoming mistress of a fine place and a large fortune she had received adulation all the morning that had raised her beauty higher than ever in her own estimation and she secretly revolved with delight various articles of ornament and of luxury which she had long wished to possess and which now for her wedding clothes she should have riches sufficient to purchase miss margland too was all smoothness complacency and courtesy camilla alone was grave camilla who by nature was gay dear is this the cottage we have been coming to all this time cried indiana upon entering lord i thought it would have been something quite pretty and uh, what sort of prettiness said edgar did you expect from a cottage dear i don't know but i thought we were come on purpose to see something extraordinary 
Camilla, who followed, made an exclamation far different, an exclamation of pleasure, surprise, and vivacity, that restored for an instant all her native gaiety, for no sooner had she crossed the threshold than she recognized in a woman who was courtesying low to receive her, and whom Indiana had passed without observing, the wife of the poor prisoner for whom she had interceded with Mandelbert. "'How I rejoice to see you!' cried she. "'And to see you here, and how much better you look, and how comfortable you seem! I hope you are now all well?' "'Ah, madam,' answered the woman, "'we owe everything to that good young gentleman. "'He has put us in this nice new cottage, "'and employs us in his service. "'Blessings on his head! "'I am sure he will be paid for it.' "'Edgar, somewhat agitated, "'occupied himself with jumping the little boy. "'Camilla looked round with rapture. "'Indiana seemed wonderstruck, without knowing why.' Dr. Marchmont narrowly watched them all, and Miss Margland, expecting a new collection would be next proposed for setting them up, nimbly recrossed the threshold to examine the prospect without. The husband, now in decent garb and much recovered, though still weak and emaciated, advanced to Camilla to make his humble acknowledgments that she had recommended them to their kind benefactor. No, cried Camilla, you owe me nothing. Your own distress recommended you, your own distress and Mr. Mandelbert's generosity. Then, going up to Edgar, it is your happy fate, she said in an accent of admiration, to act all that my father so often plans and wishes, but which his income will not allow him to execute. You see, answered he gratefully, how little suffices for content. I have scarce done anything. Yet how relieved, how satisfied are these poor people. This hut was fortunately vacant. Oh, madam, interrupted the poor woman, if you knew but how that good gentleman has done it all, how kindly he has used us, and made everybody else use us and let nobody taunt us with our bad faults, and what good he has done to my poor sick husband, and how he has clothed my poor little half-naked children, and, what is more than all, saved us from the shame of an ill life. Camilla felt the tears start into her eyes. She hastily snatched the little babe into her arms, and while her kisses hid her face, happy and thrice happy Indiana, with a soft sigh, was the silent ejaculation of her heart. She seated herself on a stool, and without speaking or hearing anything more, devoted herself to the baby. Indiana, meanwhile, whose confidence in her own situation gave her courage to utter whatever first occurred to her, having made a general survey of the place and people, with an air of disappointment, now amused herself with an inspection more minute, taking up and casting down everything that was portable, without any regard either to deranging its neatness or endangering its safety, exclaiming as she made her round of investigation, "'Dear crockery-ware, how ugly, 
lord what little mean chairs is that your best gown good woman dear what an ugly pattern well i would not wear such a thing to save my life have you got nothing better than this for a floor-cloth only look at those curtains did you ever see such frights lord do you eat off these platters i am sure i could sooner die i should not mind starving half as much miss margland hoping the collection was now either made or relinquished ventured to re-enter and inquire if they never meant to return home camilla unwillingly gave up the baby but would not depart without looking over the cottage where everything she saw excited a sensation of pleasure how neat is this how tidy is that were her continual exclamations how bright you have rubbed your saucepans how clean everything is all round how soon you will get all well in this healthy and comfortable little dwelling edgar in a low voice then told dr marchmont the history of his new cottagers saying you will not i hope disapprove what i have done their natures seemed so much disposed to good i could not bear to let their wants turn them again to evil you have certainly done right answered the doctor to give money without inquiry or further aid to those who have adopted bad practices is to them but temptation and to society an injury but to give them both the counsel and the means to pursue a right course is to them perhaps salvation and to the community the greatest service indiana and miss margland quite wearied both got into the carriage edgar having deposited them returned to camilla who kissed both the children poured forth good wishes upon the father and mother and then gave him her hand enchanted he took it exclaiming ah who is like you so lively yet so feeling struck and penetrated she made no answer alas she thought i fear he is not quite satisfied with indiana dr marchmont was set down at his own house where he begged to have a conference with edgar the next morning the whole way home the benevolence of edgar occupied the mind of camilla and not in the present instance the less that its object had been originally of her own pointing out chapter fourteen two retreats mr and mrs tyrold had obeyed the summons of sir hugh whom they found in extreme tribulation persuaded by his fears not only of the design of bellamy but of its inevitable success his brother however who knew his alarms to be generally as unfounded as his hopes and mrs tyrold who almost undisguisedly despised both no sooner heard his account than declining to discuss it they sent for eugenia she related the transaction with a confusion so innocent that it was easy to discern shame alone had hitherto caused her silence and with a simplicity so unaffected that not a doubt could rest upon their minds but that her heart was as disengaged as her intentions had been irreproachable yet they were not the less struck with the danger she had incurred and while her father blessed mandelbert for her preservation her mother was so sensible to his care for the family welfare and honour 
that the anger she had conceived against him subsided, though the regret to which it had owed its birth increased. Mr. Tyrrell gave his daughter some slight cautions and general advice, but thought it wisest, since he found her tranquil and unsuspicious, not to raise apprehensions that might disturb her composure, nor awaken ideas of which the termination must be doubtful. Her mother deemed the matter to be undeserving the least serious alarm. The man had appeared to her from the beginning to be a despisable adventurer, and her lofty contempt of all low arts made her conclude her well-principled Eugenia as superior to their snares as to their practice. This conference completely quieted the fears of Sir Hugh, who relinquished his design of sending for Clermont, and imagined Edgar to have been too severe in his judgment of Bellamy, who had only knelt in pure compassion to prevail with Eugenia to take care of her life. The rector and his lady were already gone before the cottage group came home. Edgar was anxious to inquire of Sir Hugh what had passed. The three females, concluding he had still something to say relative to his proposals, by tacit agreement retired to their own rooms. They were not, however, as concurrent in their eagerness to reassemble. Miss Margland and Indiana watched the moment when they might appease their burning curiosity by descending, but Eugenia wished to prolong her absence that she might recover from the embarrassment she had just suffered and Camilla determined not to appear again till the next morning. For the first time in her life, after the shortest separation, she forbore to seek Eugenia, who she supposed would have gathered all the particulars of the approaching nuptials. She felt no desire to hear them. It was a period to which, hitherto, she had looked forward as to a thing of course, but this day it had struck her that Edgar and Indiana could not be happy together. She had even surmised from his last speech that he lamented in secret the connection he had formed. The gentlest pity took possession of her breast, and increasing admiration succeeded to her pity. She could not bear to witness so unequal a scene, as the full satisfaction of Sir Hugh contrasted with the seriousness, perhaps repentance, of Edgar. She pleaded a headache and went to bed. The morning did not find her less averse to hear the confirmation of the suspected news. On the contrary, her repugnance to have it ascertained became stronger. She did not ask herself why. She did not consider the uselessness of flying for one hour what she must encounter the next. The present moment was all she could weigh and to procrastinate any evil, seemed to her ardent and active imagination to conquer it. Again, therefore, she planned a visit to Mrs. Arbury, though she had given it up so long, from the discouragement of Lionel, that she felt more of shame than of pleasure in the idea of making so tardy an apology. But she could think of no other place to which the whole party would not accompany her, and to avoid them and their communications for however short a space of time was now her sole aim before breakfast she repaired to the apartment of her uncle her request was granted as soon as heard and she ordered the chaise 
Indiana and Miss Margland, meanwhile, had learned from the baronet that the proposals were not yet made. Miss Margland softened the disappointment of Indiana by suggesting that her admirer was probably waiting the arrival of some elegant trinket that he destined to present her upon his declaration. But she was by no means free from doubt and suspicion herself. She languished to quit Cleves, and Sir Hugh had almost thought her accountable for the slowness of Mandelberg's proceedings. To keep up her own consequence, she had again repeated her assurances that all was in a prosperous train, though she had frequently, with strong private uneasiness, observed the eyes of Edgar fixed upon Camilla, with an attention far more pointed than she had ever remarked in them when their direction was towards her fair pupil. Camilla hurried over her breakfast in expectation of the chaise, and in dread continual, lest her cousin should call her aside to acquaint her that all was arranged. Edgar perceived with surprise that she was going out alone, and, no sooner gathered with her, than, drawing her to one of the windows, he earnestly said, "'Is it by appointment you wait upon Miss Orbury?' "'No.' "'Does she at all expect you this morning?' no would it then be asking too much if i should entreat you to postpone your visit for a short time the whole design of camilla was to absent herself immediately yet she hated to say no she looked disturbed and was silent have you made any further acquaintance with her since the morning of the raffle no none but i wish excessively to know more of her she is certainly very agreeable said he with some hesitation but whether she is all mrs tyrrell would approve i hope you know no harm of her if you do pray keep it to yourself for it would quite afflict me to hear anything to her disadvantage i should be grieved indeed to be the messenger of affliction to you but i hope there may be no occasion i only beg a day or two's patience and in the meanwhile I can give you this assurance. She is undoubtedly a woman of character. I saw she had charmed you, and I made some immediate inquiries. Her reputation is without taint. A thousand, thousand thanks, cried Camilla gaily, for taking so much trouble, and ten thousand more for finding it needless. Edgar could not forbear laughing but answered he was not yet so certain it was needless, since exemption from actual blemish could only be a negative recommendation. He should very soon, he added, see a lady upon whose judgment he could rely, and who would frankly satisfy him with respect to some other particulars, which, he owned, he considered as essential to be known before any intimacy should be formed. Wishing to comply with this request, yet impatient to leave the house, Camilla stood suspended till the chaise was announced. "'I think,' cried she, with a look and tone of irresolution, "'my going this once can draw on no ill consequence?' Edgar only dropped his eyes. "'You are not of that opinion?' "'I have a very particular engagement this morning,' he replied but I will readily give it up and ride off instantly to make my application to this lady, if it is possible you can defer only till to-morrow your visit. Will you suffer me to ask such a delay? It will greatly oblige me. 
"'Why, then I will defer it till tomorrow, or till tomorrow week,' cried she, fully vanquished. "'I insist, therefore, that you do not postpone your business.' She then desired the servant who was taking away the breakfast equipage to order the chaise to be put up. Edgar, subdued in his turn, caught her hand, but instantly recollecting himself hastily let it go, and throwing up the window-sash abruptly exclaimed, "'I never saw such fine weather. I hope it will not rain.' He then rapidly wished them all good morning, and mounted his horse. Miss Margland, who sidling towards the window on pretence of examining a print, had heard and seen all that had passed, was almost overpowered with rage by the conviction she received that her apprehensions were not groundless. She feared losing all weight both with the baronet and with Indiana if she made this acknowledgment, and retreated, confounded, to her own room to consider what path to pursue at so dangerous a crisis, wearing a scowl upon her face that was always an indication she would not be followed. Camilla also went to her chamber, in a perturbation at once pleasing and painful. She was sorry to have missed her excursion, but she was happy to have obliged Edgar. She was delighted he could take such interest in her conduct and affairs yet dreaded more than ever a private conversation with indiana indiana who every moment appeared to her less and less calculated to bestow felicity upon edgar mandelbert she seated herself at the window and soon through the trees perceived him galloping away too too amiable edgar she cried earnestly looking after him with her hands clasped and tears starting into her eyes. Frightened at her own tenderness, she rose, shut the window, and walked to another end of the apartment. She took up a book, but she could not read. Too, too amiable Edgar again escaped her. She went to her pianoforte. She could not play. Too, too amiable Edgar broke forth in defiance of all struggle. Alarmed and ashamed, even to herself, she resolved to dissipate her ideas by a long walk, and not to come out of the park till the first dinner-bell summoned her to dress. End of chapter 13 and 14 Read by Lars Rolander